With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The NFL owners tonight uh, approved the return of the Los Angeles Rams to the market starting with the 2016 season. We all want to change the world. Tavon, near sideline. He spins away. Tavon, touchdown. Just shun well, you know. Robert Quinn knocks it out, picking it up. Ethan Westbrook's 25-15. Touchdown, LA. But when you talk about destruction Gurley carries up the middle 15, far side 10 Gurley goes in, touchdown Caught by Michael The ball comes out Ogletree is on it The Rams have turned the Seahawks over To cap what should be a Rams victory Hello, guys, and welcome back. If you're listening to the Downtown Rams podcast, you're listening most likely on Victory Monday. The Rams just shellacked. They dominated. They terminated. They destroyed the Seahawks 42-7. to It wasn't a dream. It actually happened. Blaine, I can't believe it. But Oh, my God. that that This might actually, like, I'm not even kidding. This might actually be, like, my my favorite Rams win against the Seahawks. Like like that's like when we went to the Giants game. Like it was sick that the Rams had beat 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 the Giants as badly as they did. But this make this win, like like this big of a win against a team like the Seahawks makes this win so much sweeter. Like this might be my all time favorite Seahawks win, and I I wasn't even there. Like my, like one of my favorites was the was the comeback game where the Rams, where Rams were down twenty seven to ten, and then they came back in the fourth quarter and Bolter hit McDonald down the seam um, to. To win in to win in overtime, um, that's probably my all time favorite Seahawks win, just because of, like the shock on the Seahawks fans' face, and I was th- and, I, and the fact that I was there, like that puts it over the top. But just just this and the fact that the Seahawks season kind of kind of rode on this on this game. It's gonna be very difficult for the Seahawks to get into the playoffs now because they don't have tiebreakers over over um, over. Atlanta. So I mean, it's gonna be very tough, very tough for them to get in. And um, the fact that the Rams beat them is bad. Like it just, it wasn't even that they won. It was in the fashion that they won. Like a team hadn't beat, hadn't beaten the Giants. The, the not the Giants. Uh, the Giants come up in a second. The, the nobody, no team had beaten the Seahawks this badly at home since the Giants have beat the Seahawks forty-one to seven in two thousand ten. And um, it's just, yeah, very, very big win. Yeah. Oh, it. I was not expecting it. Okay, I had them winning thirty-three twenty. You had them winning twenty-three uh, twenty-one. You changed it after we recorded the podcast, so I do want to have your back there. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. 
So that happens. The Rams now move to 10 and four and they're two games ahead of the Seahawks. So, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 the only they're, they're way two they games can ahead win. Of, they're, they're two games ahead of the Seahawks of two games left to play. So the only way for the Rams to give up the NFC West crown is for them to lose two games in a row. And that's something that, that, that's something that this Sean McVay Rams team still has yet to do, um, which is which And is I incredible. would be shocked and, if they and, and, against... And, 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 you know, just to kind of give myself a pass, like a free pass for switching my pick. I just want to explain it. I looked at the Vegas lines this morning. The Rams went from being a two, two they went from being a two and a half point underdog to being a, just, just a one point underdog. And I found that to be pretty significant. So that's why I changed my pick to 23-21. And I, nobody expected 42-7 to seven though. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's incredible. Like when healthy, is there a team in the NFC that's going to be able to beat this Rams team? I mean, can you, can you say that there's a legit NFC? Like, yes, the Vikings are good. Yes, the Saints are good. The Panthers are good, but like the Rams can compete, and they have they will have a good chance to win against any of those teams. And we'll get into, into like the playoff talk in, in a second. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just incredible win overall. I'm I'm could not be happier. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I just want to you know let you guys know um, we are still you know reading the you know iTunes reviews. Um, just please, you know, do us a favor, do us a solid, and leave that five-star view if you see fit. And be sure to subscribe because, you know, if you don't see that podcast, it's up there. It doesn't necessarily mean it's not already there. If you subscribe, you get the podcast right in, you know, wherever your podcasts are. You get it right in the directory yeah, you, 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 you and get you, know, it, you, you can get, download it. You get it right away and there's no... Um... It, it, it will be there. Like if, you, if you're not sub- subscribed, there's a chance that it's n- it doesn't show up or th- th- that something happens. But if you subscribe, you are definitely going to get it. Um, so yeah, we're we're at, we're at 109 reviews right now, and would definitely like to um, increase on that. And just kind of a teaser: next Friday is episode number 50, and we have some big things planned for episode number 50. So you won't want to miss it. So be sure to subscribe. But moving on to our headlines, Jake. Um, like we mentioned, the Rams beat the Seahawks 42-7. to And I guess my question to you is, you know, we kind of talked about this last show. What does this win mean? And is there a changing, a changing of the guard in the NFC West? Like, the Rams are at 10-4. and they, just, they didn't just beat the Seahawks. They shellacked them. They, they, they went into their house and flat-out disrespected them. Um, so um, what does this mean going forward? Yeah, I, I was just trying to, like, use all different adjectives because I'm like, I mean, they literally, like, dropped a bomb at Quest Field. I mean, it was, like, awesome. 42-7. You were the bully in the big... Jake, um, let me just drop this in really quickly. Um, I saw a tweet after last week's game when the Seahawks lost um, to the Jaguars. And I, I, the person who tweeted it deleted it, but it was something along the lines of Russell Wilson telling Doug Baldwin and... Um, and uh, I think I think it was it was it was a locket. He, he they were walking on the locker room, and, and Russell Wilson was was quoted to saying, "Guys, let, let, let's go win. Let's go win the West next week." As if it was a for sure thing. And the it, and the way the Seahawks came. Oh, back, you're you're talking about the Doug Baldwin one when he's like, "Hey, Doug, we're NFC West. Uh, you know, we're in first next week. Exactly. In the division. He, like he, that's exactly what. But I'm, the last time he know. did that, he put uh, one and zero. Yeah, he tweeted that, and and I I like Russ, but. You know, it's like, not I, a good I, thing I, for I, him I, to I, assume. No, I, I like the confidence. I, I do, but it's just 
the the Seahawks kind of came into this game, I think, thinking that it was a for sure thing that they were going to win, and the Rams came to play, and I, I don't think the Seahawks were ready for the for the level that the Rams brought. Yeah, and I've been saying this for a while. Um, injuries or not, the Legion of Boom has been pretty much gone. Um, it's not the original Legion of Boom, the one that was taking the league by storm anymore. This is, you know, the old Seahawks team, you kind of forget, but that was the team that, you know, started the teams like the Jaguars. And to me, when you look at the, the team now, I mean, it's good. It's not great. And if Russell Wilson can't get anything going, they have no run game. So, I mean, you, you, you saw it there. Yeah. It, I mean, none of the big splash plays work because I got to give props to Troy Hill. Yeah. No, I, and I, you know, I, I'm, Troy Hill came up big on two big plays yeah, and he, he knocked uh, them both down. He, he played surprisingly, Huge. He, he played surprisingly well. And, and, and Joe kind of told us that, told us that in, 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 in last week's show that he, he said, "You know, have a little faith in this guy. Um, even though, like, he's not—he's not going to be Kayvon Webster, but he's—he's—he's he's, he's solid and he plays solid. But yeah, I mean, this this win is huge for this team because I think this this is this this is a changing of the guard. I think the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC West for the next five years or so, as long as Sean McVay and Jared Goff are the head coach and quarterback. The Rams." The Rams will be the team to beat. They, 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 they will. I mean, the C, the Seahawks are are gonna have their their eyes uh, their eyes locked in on the Rams next year, as well as you know the 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 49ers who are up and coming. This NFC West division is gonna be fun to watch. Um, and then as just for what does this mean? You know, this is this was a huge win, and I think after last week's disappointing loss to the Eagles. This win, I think, really boosts this team's confidence. This this was the win that this team needed to to, to I think internally, like like they've known they were they, they've they, I mean they're they, they were nine and four coming to this game. Like the record says they're good, but this beating the Seahawks as badly as they did in their own house, like I think the players now like can can start to can start to believe it and kind of walk around with that kind of swag, and I think that's going to help them in in a few weeks when. They're playing they're playing wild card weekend and um and they're they're playing at home and they'll be like you know what we are legit we 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 are we are a team that, a team to beat and that's a that, that's a swag that that does that does that can go a long way in a playoff atmosphere. I just feel like this is so much like you know Bill Belichick. I mean, he was supposed to be with the Jets and he ended up leaving and being the Patriots head coach and. You know, I, I feel like it's a lot like that where, you know, the division rivals are starting to be like, oh, crap, this guy is legit. He's going to be a problem. And now I think McVeigh is going to be that type of problem. I mean, yeah, I really do. I, I mean, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with you. And um, I mean, the, can you imagine being the Cardinals right now? Well, it looks like, you know, we had yeah, this I great mean, the, coach. The Cardinals, have, Arians, the, Cardinals have no, now, the Cardinals have no future. Um, they, they have zero future. And. I mean, the, the sorry, four, the, Blaine, the, you're not getting him over the hump. No, I'm not. Um, the 49ers, they they're they're with Garoppolo. They they got a, they got a solid win today, and they're they're looking good. And they're gonna be a fun team in the future, especially with the top ten pick. And then, I mean, Seattle, Seattle, as long as they have Russell Wilson, like they're gonna they're gonna be good too. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is gonna be a fun division to watch, and the Rams are gonna be right up there in the running. I think year after year, they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a perennial contender, with as long as Jared Goff and Sean McVay are 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 leading the way. But um, moving on to our our, our next um, little headline here, uh, Todd Gurley is just the fifth player since the AFL NFL merger with 150 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown, 
all in the same game. And um, some of the other pl- names on there were um, Larry Johnson, Marshall Falk was on there, and there, there were obviously two others. I, I don't have them, have, them, have them on me right now. But um, I guess with that said, you know, going into this game, Russell Wilson was, oh, this guy's the MVP. He's carrying the Seahawks on his back, blah, blah, blah. Well, looking if you go and watch this game and you say who's the who's the MVP of the NFL, Todd Gurley's the guy that stands out. And coming coming into this week, I, I was I, I first take was on in the background. I don't watch first take, but it was on in the background at work. And I, I looked and they were debating should Antonio Brown be in the MVP conversation. And then I was listening to the, listening to some some radio shows and podcasts and things, and they were talking uh, Antonio Brown should be in the MVP conversation. Well, after what Todd Gurley did today, in the biggest game of the year, he showed up and balled his ass out. Like, 150 rushing yards. Like, Sean McVay fed, fed Gurley until he couldn't eat anymore. Like, Todd Gurley had a day. And um, quite frankly, he deserves to be, I think, a top three MVP candidate. Oh, I I totally agree. And Blaine, this guy, this guy has you 15 remember... touchdowns this year. Like, it's insane. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I I know, and and remember who said that uh, Todd Gurley was gonna come, you know, near three hundred yards as my bold prediction, right? Well, yeah. I only got that wrong because the Rams dominated too quickly. Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, just just think about that. I got a bold prediction wrong because normally bold predictions are really bold, and mine was, but he was on pace to go over that. Yeah, I mean, when I look at it, I think. I told you this off air. I've been saying this since the end of the game. I've been saying this since the middle of the game. Ezekiel Elliott got MVP votes last year in his rookie year. Ezekiel Elliott is not the receiving back that Todd Gurley is. No. He had 1994, uh, 1,994 total yards from scrimmage. Todd Gurley has 1,814. That was 16-game season for Zeke. That's in 14 games for Gurley. Now, hear me out here, Blaine. 17 total touchdowns for Gurley, 16 for Zeke. 16 games for Zeke, 14 for Gurley. Gurley's got two more. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he he's exactly what I loved about David Johnson uh, and yeah, worried yeah. me about Gurley. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's... he's turned into that, like all-purpose back no it's it, it's insane i mean he's turned into a top three back you look at the david johnson you look at Le'Veon bell they do it all there they can catch you out of the backfield they can dominate on the ground and i mean i still think after what tom brady did today i i don't think you can take the mvp away from him it, it, it's his to lose at this point like that his team was down and in the fourth quarter he he showed up blow them on a game-winning drive and um despite what you may think about that that final call at the end of the game Tom Brady still that win will go to Tom Brady, and the way that he played at the end of the game, he, he it, it, it's just it's it's a, it's an award dominated by the quarterback. So I I, I still think Brady gets it, but Tonkley deserves to be in the conversation, and he deserves to get a, a get a few votes. If Zeke, like you said, if Zeke got votes last year, Gurley's outpacing Zeke, and probably deserves votes this year, like by a lot too, and. Gurley's lack of production, consistent production, going over 100 yards in every game type like Zeke did, 
that's due to the lack of usage. I mean, that's not even his fault. Like, exactly. I don't know. Um, so last headline here, I, I just I, I saw this on Twitter, and I just wanted to, it's nothing really it's not nothing really discussed. I just wanted to, to clarify and point point out that um, that the Rams they, they didn't clinch the NFC West today. Um, if both teams finished ten and six. The Seahawks would fin- would end with a better division record, which would take precedence, and that would be the, like the tiebreaker. Uh, Seahawks would finish five and one in the NFC West, while the Rams would finish four and two, uh, because the Rams have the have the 49ers on the schedule up there. So I, I just want to put that out. I think it's going to be very difficult um, for the for this for for this for that scenario to happen. I mean, um, the Rams will pr- will probably beat Tennessee next week and and, and wrap it all up. But um, just wanted to throw that out there. But Jake, I mean. Well, I guess just to throw some discussion in here, um, what are you looking forward to in these next two weeks? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing consistency. You know, I, I want to see that this team that looks just about ready for the playoffs, I want to see them continue it. Um, Wade Phillips has this defense playing at another level, and uh, the offense is, you know, I, I they're finally using Todd Gurley. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah, I, I mean, here, here's what here's what I'll just throw out there. Um, me and my tennis analogies coming at you again. Tennis, I, I, I should just make this weekly <laughs> a weekly segment. Tennis analogies with Blaine. Um, so here's here's this week's tennis analogy with Blaine. Um, and I mean, you, you can throw the March the March Madness tournaments in there, tournament in there too. When when a when a team goes has a big emotional win. Um, there's always that chance for a letdown the following week. Now, I'm not saying the Rams are going to have a letdown, but I'm, I am saying that these next two opponents are very dangerous. Um, San Francisco is playing very well right now with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I mean the Titans aren't playing well, but that is still a team with, with a ton of talent. And you're going into their house, and it's never easy to play. It's never easy to play play, play on the road. So, um, I, I, I am looking, like you said, for, for that consistency and being able to, you know. This was a big week, but put it behind you. Move forward to the next game. Um, that's what the Rams are going to have to do, and it's going to be interesting to watch because you know they they win next week, they clinch the play, they clinch they clinch the NFC West, which means they'll be in the playoffs. And um, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's just a feeling and a situation that this team hasn't been in in a very long time. Oh yeah, without a doubt, um, just a testament to what happens when you know. When you finally realize coaching matters in the NFL, I mean, like it, 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 it yeah. matters, and we, we we see the McVay effect uh, compared to the Fisher effect. Exactly. Um, but Jake, um, every Sunday we bring on Joe Curley for the Ventura County Scott Ventura County Star. Um, he comes on every Sunday to to break down the game and and and, and discuss it. So why don't you introduce him? Yeah, guys, he's a huge friend of ours. Um, we love Joe so much. He offered so much to the podcast. So who better to bring you on a Victory Monday than Joe Curley? We are here with Joe Curley of the Ventura County Star, our friend as always. How's it going, Joe? It's going pretty good. Pretty good day for Rams Nation today. Oh, yes. with Without, without a doubt. Um, where would – like – I, I I know the like the Rams have they they were in Los Angeles and then they left and they, now that now they're back. Where would you put this like in terms of like how big was this game for the, this Los Angeles Rams team? Oh, I mean, I think we talked about this being the season. I mean, if you lose this game, you know you're quickly um, fighting for your playoff lives. And when everybody's kind of assumed that this team was 
been a shock the world to make the playoffs for the last month. I mean, that, that would put kind of a, a damper on, on, you know, this incredible kind of, you know, uh, rebirth of a season. So, you know, I think they had to have this game, especially, you know, it's one thing if the Seahawks would have been at, at full, you know, strength and it would have been a tough game to go up there on the road. But I think really when you consider the state of their roster and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you had everybody on the defense out except for, um, you know, a couple guys who were maybe playing on bad wheels. I mean, um, you know, all the big name guys, you know, certainly, um, you know, the, you expect the Rams to win this game. Um, and I think the impressive thing is not, you know, this team, you know, responded by doing what you kind of expect them to do, but then went beyond that and um, won in such a dominating fashion and really put their stamp uh, on this season. I mean, there's no doubt they didn't clinch the NFC West today, but there's no doubt that they, you know, proved that they're the NFC West champions today and, and um, just a, uh, a tremendous performance. And now you really start to, you know, once you, you know, you got to get in the tournament. Once they're in the tournament, you know, I, I think this is a team. When you look around football and you look at who's doing what, and Nick Foles at quarterback with the Eagles, and they almost lost to the Giants, and you know, obviously Case Keenum quarterback in the Vikings, and um, you know, you probably would have to. The Saints would probably have to come here, and um, you look at kind of all the issues with New England and, and Pittsburgh. You know, I'm not saying the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl, but it's certainly within the realm of, of, of possibilities. It's a plausible outcome at this point. It is, and I mean, once you're in the dance, anything can happen. Um, That's right. W- w- what is it about, uh, you know, but last week they, they had the disappointing loss to the Eagles, and um, every, time, every time this team has lost this year, they, they, they've bounced back the next week and come back mm. with, a, with a big win. What is it about this Good team be, and, and being able to bounce back? Is it, is it just, is it just you know, Sean McVay's presence and just the way he coaches? Or, you know, what is it about, about them being able to bounce back as well as, they, as well as they do every time they lose? Well, the most important thing is they are tough to beat. You know, I think yeah. that, uh, you know, the, the best teams don't lose two in a row because, you know, it's they're they're tough to beat and it's you know but but you know the, the like we've we've mentioned over the last month or so you know they've had these kind of couplet and games where they've had tough games back to back so obviously it's not just it's not just that i mean the, the 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 performance against the saints was probably the strongest of the season um against a good team before today so uh, you know the, the seahawks hadn't had a game like that um basically since Pete carroll's second year um, you know, they, they hadn't lost by double digits all season this year. They hadn't lost by double digits at home like that since 2011. And, um, you know, it obviously was a, a dominating performance, and, and this team was locked in. I mean, they got – they were back to not full strength, but pretty close to, you know, fuller strength, um, you know, getting Woods back and getting Barwin back. And, um, and really, they, they just – you know, it's. I think the one thing I was kind of worried about was the elements, but I think the elements kind of played into that. Um, you know, that that whole storyline with with McVay not giving the ball to Gurley enough, and it kind of forced them to ride Gurley early. And I think that's what, you know, part part of the reason they got out to such a, a good lead. I mean, obviously, but then you know, it was defense was dominating. They had what four three and outs of the first five possessions that you know before the game was really over, and then obviously you know special teams, Farrell Cooper, um, you know, it's just that that's, maybe that's really the answer is the fact that they've come back when they've come back, they've come back with, with, you know, a total team effort. And that's actually how McVay started off his post game 
today was talking about how it really was offense, defense, and special teams. If you were going to rate the the units today, the offense probably would have been third. Yeah, and that, that's that's so crazy to think about in a 42-7 blowout. But, you know, when I look at this game, there's so much to talk about. And, you know, this has really been a pattern with the Rams. It's not, oh, well, you know, they could have done this, they could have done this. It's, well, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. Oh, look at him emerge. Like, you know, you kind of have to simplify it. Um. So I'm going to bring up something, you know, that, that you were, you know, you were big on, uh, Troy Hill. Yeah. Troy Hill was awesome today. Uh, he was yeah. targeted once, and he gave up, I believe, one catch for four yards. Uh, Pro Football yeah. Focus had him as the second highest graded Ram. Did he How... really? I haven't opened that email yet. Yeah. That's great. How big of a game was this for Troy Hill? And basically what I want to ask you is, is this somebody that can not only, t- you know, take a stranglehold on, you know, a huge opportunity that was left behind by injury with Kayvon Webster, but possibly show the Rams that, yeah, you know, Trumaine Johnson, he might walk in free agency. They may not want him back and they have Kayvon, but you know, they're not necessarily going to need to draft a guy because they have a guy like Troy Hill. Do you think he's a guy that can come in and be that two or maybe even a one? Well, a couple things on this one is, you know, there were points in the, this year and in the offseason when, you know, the Rams kind of belief in Troy Hill was they were kind of the only people that really believed this way. You know, when when, you know, the coaching staff would talk about Troy Hill as a, um, you know, a, as somebody who is a viable kind of part of the team. You know, you saw some fans kind of creep up on social media, didn't believe him and, you know, and were unhappy with that. And Troy Hill had his, you know, he had some rough moments last year. I mean, he got thrown into the fire early in his career, but I did, you know, if you saw, it sounds like you saw what I wrote yesterday about him. And, you know, I, I went out and I talked to him on Friday and I saw this, you know, obviously I saw this as a huge week for the Rams, but I also saw this as a huge week for Troy Hill. There, there was all this kind of belief, you know, the Rams kept them around for this specific opportunity, you know, for this kind of scenario. And, you know, they lost their starting corner and, and obviously, um, you know, in Webster, and then obviously you move over Roby Coleman, but, you know, you're going to be in five DBs for a lot of the game, and, and Troy's got to play a bunch. And, you know, I, I, I counted four different targets. I didn't I didn't realize he'd given up even one catch. Um, you know, there was the uh, – uh, he was certainly targeted on one of the challenges that McVay won. There was, I guess maybe he didn't get a challenge for the play down the field that he he, he got a PBU on, where he reached up and and uh, and deflected the ball away on the third, you know, it was like third and 15. It was maybe Wilson's biggest shot down the field, down the middle of the field. And, and Troy got up there, smallest guy in that scenario, and, and swatted the ball away. Um, but, um, you know, I don't want to get too far over our skis here and say he could be a potential number one corner, but, you know, when I the reason I went and talked to Troy on Friday was I you know this is obviously a a career defining moment for him to you know he got thrown into the fire last year and and played relative you know if he played relatively well but gave up some big plays you know gave up the touchdown especially against Seattle you know he gave up the um, the ball over the top in the game they won at home you know that before the uh, uh, before the Ogletree uh, fumble. 
And then he obviously gave up that kind of Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated, ESPN kind of highlight reel play with Doug Baldwin kind of putting him on skates in Seattle. And so that he had had some rough moments against this offense. You knew they were going to target him a little bit, but, um, you know, he, he was equal to the task today and, and maybe Rams fans can kind of take a deep breath and realize that the secondary is going to be okay during this run. But really, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a, a, a bottom of the roster sort of guy who's on a, a year to year contract who, you know, if he can prove himself on the biggest games, like he said to me on Friday, you know, this may be a, a career defining moment for him and it might lead to, you know, like you're saying, a bigger opportunity and a bigger position and bigger money. And, and you know, he's playing. He mentioned he's playing for his team and he's also, you know, this is a big moment for him. So really good to see, you know, somebody like that, uh, you know, kind of show up both for the team and for his family like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, this is somebody that bounced around from New England and Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, he's a UDFA, a guy that they expected more of in at Oregon. And I know some, you know, some scouts liked him a lot. Some scouts had their, you know, questions with him. And that's what happens when you go into the UDFA pool. But, um, you know, I just thought it was really interesting that this team takes him, you know, last year. I believe they, they signed him the year before as a... Right. Well, what wasn't it? Um, it was a futures contract. He he. So he was with Cincy. Yeah. And uh, he got cut and he got scooped up by the Patriots for about a week. And then you know he'd had some kind of negative publicity and and you know some issues in his life and and kind of New England woke up to that and kind of cut him immediately um, when it started getting reported and and then the Rams scooped him up. The Rams actually. He was a St. Louis Ram for the for, for the last two weeks of that they were in St. Louis, but neither of those games were actually in St. Louis. It must have been right after the ketchup and mustard game. And <laughs> I know he joined the team when they were back out in San Francisco. They were out on the West Coast practicing, getting ready for that second. Oh, it might have been the last week of the year. But I know he spent much of you know he spent the um, you know the last two weeks of the the year, and then um, you know obviously moved with team and it was kind of auspicious because obviously he's moving to you know the one of his, his second home Troy's from Youngstown Ohio but he had an uncle in Oxnard he, he moved um he moved to Oxnard um to get away from kind of the issues in, in Youngstown which is you know kind of a rough place um and you know he, he played for St. Bonaventure which is a big high school at, at the time it was one of the biggest programs in, in Southern California and um you know won a state championship and went on to Oregon and, and um, you know, he, he's, you know, so it's kind of, it was amazing to have him have this opportunity. Um, you know, he's now living, you know, kind of in the same place that, you know, near his uncle and, you know, down in the West, um, you know, below the grade, below the canal grade, the Western part of the, the County. Um, those that, you know, Thousand Oaks is above the grade. It's on the other side of the County. So I think he's one of the few Rams players who actually, um, you know, on that end of, of the county, because that's obviously where he's from. And, um, you know, it's just that to have a local kid, you know, do well for this team, you know, locally is uh, kind of a big deal as they build that that fan base and, and uh, you know, get people to, you know, every week you're out and about, you know, around here and you hear more people, you know, gravitating to the Rams. So just my kids, uh, just this week, my kids, um, one of the preschool teachers, um, was telling her, I was joking with her about uh, the Colts and because um, she's a Colts fan and uh, 
and she would say, yeah, you know, Colts aren't doing so well. You know, the Rams are right here. And, and uh, you know, she's talking about how she's following the Rams and really enjoying um, what they're doing. And, and it seems like, you know, kind of every every time you turn around, there's somebody else talking about how they're getting interested in this team and they're slowly kind of building, um, you know, this fan base up here in, uh, in Southern California. So, um, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, to see this team do this, think of where the, where they were a year ago and to see what they're doing now. I mean, and that did Troy's had that same arc, you know, he had a rough year at, at, you know, at some points last year and, and, uh, you know, to be where he is now, um, and be in a position that, you know, to have a home playoff game and so, you know, the first playoff game in the Coliseum since 1994, is going to be, uh, it's going to be something. Yeah. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. And I mean, I, I do want to follow up on that. Like, it's, 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 I mean, two games left, the Rams have to lose out and the Seattle would have to win out in, in order for Seattle mm-hmm. to overtake the, to overtake that, that, that top four, the top four seed that gets you the home playoff game. If, if the Rams like most likely do get the home, get the home playoff game, what do you think the atmosphere would, would be like in the, in the Coliseum? Would, would it be a, a packed house? Like, what would it, what would an, an atmosphere a playoff atmosphere in the Coliseum look like? Do you, do you think? Oh, I mean, that's when we'll we'll really the, the thing about it is, you know, I, I've heard I, I they're gonna ex, so I think they have to tell the NFL they get a chance to expand that. Um, um, the attendance out a little bit. They wouldn't go all the way up to 90 or 8, 85 or whatever, you know, because of those horror stories with Seattle But um, last year. But I, I think they'd probably go up to about 70, 75. Um, so in that game, again, you know, the, the 67 that was Philly, that it seemed pretty – it was pretty close to full. You know, I think if you go, if you go up to about 75, you're going to have a full kind of Coliseum atmosphere. And so I do think it's going to be super loud and, you know, it's going to be, I had said one of the, you know, the, the kind of the, the rays of, of sunshine and the issue with the, um, you know, moving back the opening of the new stadium a year is that it gave the Rams a chance to have that one moment to have a home playoff game. And so I was thinking, I was like, I was like, if only they could turn it around in three years and get a home playoff game in the Coliseum, you'd have that great moment for these long time, long suffering fans who kind of waited for the team to come home. I think it would really mean the world to a lot of these people who are longtime Ram fans. Um, but, you know, obviously, a, you know, you're nothing in L.A. if you're not a playoff team in any sport. And so I think that that would kind of cement them as being an up and coming kind of part of this, you know, sports um, market and, you know, a team to kind of you know, I think it would really boost um you know, season tickets for next year. And we, you know, it, it, it'll be really interesting the momentum that this franchise gains, um, you know, over the next couple of years going into that stadium. I think you kind of supercharge it now. Um, but really, you know, what, what, think about it. That, that would either be the Falcons. The Falcons didn't have too many um, fans out here for that game last year. Um, who else? The Panthers. Panthers didn't really bring a ton. You know, you're talking about a lot of these teams, it wouldn't be like an Eagles game or even a, you know, even a Saints game where there would, well, maybe if it was the Saints, you know, you would have a big Saints kind of crowd. But, um, you know, some of these NFC South teams, they, they don't really, there's not really a ton of their fans here in, in Southern California. So I don't, I don't know if you'd, you'd have like an Eagles situation or, or a Seattle situation for when you've got 20,000 opposing fans. You might have a legit home field, um, you know, home field advantage for a, 
a game against Atlanta and a game against uh, Carolina. That's what it looks like now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, they right now they they have Atlanta, and that would be and if if they were to expand to expand to seventy or to seventy or seventy five, it'd be an insane atmosphere. And I mean, if you win, every everything just kind of takes care of itself. Um, I I do want to ask this just because I, I feel like I kind of I kind of have to in respect for the, for the fans that are always asking about it. Um, it what would the what, do you know what the uniform situation would be like for the players? Would the Rams, <laughs> would, would the Rams be in their in their regular season uniforms or are throwbacks an option? Um, that is a fascinating question. I'd have to I'll have to ask somebody. I would assume they'd be white on white. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, I, I it's funny. I didn't even think of that. Um, I will ask, and and I'll get back to you next week. One other thing I want to mention is with what happened tonight with um, the Cowboys kind of sticking around and still having. If the Cowboys got in, that would probably be. Oh yeah, be, and it would be and, Dallas. Guy. That would be a mess. That would be. I mean, there was more Dallas fans than Eagles fans. There's more Dallas fans in the preseason games and Eagles fans, there's a huge Cowboys contingent in Southern California. Um, and so that would be insane. You, you could probably sell 150, 200,000 tickets to a Rams Cowboys playoff game. So um, that would be that, that price, that ticket price would be huge. They could bang it out to whatever they want. That would might be the, the best case scenario for, you know, that kind of, um, crazy atmosphere and crazy game, um, but you know Falcons got to lose for that to happen. Yeah, they, they definitely do, and it, it's funny to even imagine the Rams playing the Falcons at the Coliseum again, and this time for something instead right. of the last yeah. time. I mean, I guess it was for something. I guess a lot of people on Fisher fired, and you know, after that game, that was it. But um, you know, moving on, I. I do want to talk because, like, as I mentioned, there's just so many things about this team. It's not like in the past where it would be like, well, you know, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. It's, you know, so many different guys contribute. And and there's so many different, you know, mini stories inside of each Ram game. And I just want to ask you, like, what stands out to you the most in, in a game where, you know, all three phases are really, you know, all three phases of the game the Rams dominate, like, who was who was the biggest thing that stood out to you? I mean, was it Gurley's four touchdowns? Was it the fact that, you know, Aaron Donald had three sacks? Robert Quinn looks completely back to his old self. I mean, like, what is it? Because I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. You know, Robert Woods back, and I mean, he didn't look like he missed a beat. Um, just just so many things. Ro- uh, Roger Saffold, by the way, needs to get in the Pro Bowl. I know that's so random, but. My God, he is he is unbelievable. They need multiple Pro Bowlers from that line because they definitely you know, they they might be the best line in football right now. They certainly that's that's the real, you know. There's so many stories of of kind of careers kind of turning around and what they've done with that line is just incredible. I mean, it, you know, Gurley had a historic day with the five, with the four touchdowns and 180 yards from scrimmage and coming off the back of you know, him not getting enough touches and not, everyone's screaming for him to get more touches last week against the Eagles. Um, you know, that's a big deal. Woods coming back and, and being himself again after, you know, coming off the injury is a big deal. 
Cooper Cup's on the on the the verge of breaking the rookie receiving yardage mark after um, you know breaking the receptions mark last week. Um, obviously, I think number one to me, the, this game was a field possession a field position game. So you're talking about turn you know they got a seventh turnover on the first game uh, first drive of the game um the seventh takeaway i should say the defense did and then you've got cooper with he had he averaged t- almost 20 yards a punt return which is unheard of um you know setting up multiple scores such a shame he didn't get in um on that one and for him to carve out i mean he he's really made even though coaches really talked up Tavon Austin the last couple of weeks, he, you know, last couple of days, he's really made Tavon Austin um, kind of expendable. So, um, yeah. And then defensively, like you said, I mean, it really is. This team really has multiple MVP candidates. Um, and interesting, you know, I think the, someone who didn't really have a great game was Jared Goff, you know, I guess it was okay. It, it was, it was, like I, it was his lowest output since the um, since the Jaguars game. He had 124 yards in the Jaguars game. Had 120 today, and then the um, the the he he had the interception that uh, McDougal or whatever um, um, tipped in. Yeah, intended it forever. Lane, I I, like I, I told you that. Uh, I'm I'm glad Joe you brought that up because I, I did say you know, and this is a close game. I, I might have worried a little bit because Jared Goff didn't look as comfortable as. And I mean, obviously, you're you're at Quest Field, and yeah. you know he's been under a lot of pressure. And... The yeah. last two weeks, he's been under a ton of pressure. I mean, I think the two most pressured. I, I haven't read through the Pro Football Focus stuff myself yet, but you know, I would assume they were coming after him a lot, and I would assume that I, I think the really interesting thing is Gurley had 21 carries, Goff had 21 passes. I think that'll make people a lot happy. They were at, you know, they were perfect. They were at perfect kind of um, balance there. Without a doubt, and uh, I, I, I mean, you, you bring up Gurley. The guy had four touchdowns today, over 150 um, yards rushing. Um, he had the the, the, th- the three rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. Um, he's one of I think only five running backs in, in NFL history to do so, um, or to, to, to have 150 to have the 150 yards rushing, three three t- three three rushing touchdowns, and one receiving touchdown. Only the fifth guy in NFL history to do so. Um, you know, you you have uh, Carson, Carson Wentz goes down. You, you have Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does. He's probably gonna get MVP. Um, you guys talking last week about Antonio Brown, but Todd Gurley, 15, 15 touchdowns um, this season is is he's he's outpacing what Ezekiel Elliott did last year, and he got MVP votes. Um, if you had to, like rank like your top three, I guess MVP candidates. I, I feel like we, we do talk about Gurley and Goff in, in this scenario every week. But where would you have Gurley this week in that? I guess if you had to have like a top three or top five, where would you put him? I think if the Rams snuck in and got a buy, I think he, he, he'd be a legitimate MVP. You know, I, I think he'd be a favorite. I think it'd be him and Brady. You know, I think you got to really be the MVP. I think you got to be on a, t- I believe it in basketball. I believe it in every, you know, you, you got to be a one or a two seed, you know, or, or do something that like no one's ever done, you know, just have an unbelievable individual season kind of like Westbrook last year even though I didn't think Westbrook deserved it in basketball last year um but the um you know I, I think Gurley I think the, the other problem with the Rams is that you're going to have Gurley and Donald and Goff kind of split Rams votes and and so technically I, I think it's really 
Brady and Brown, and I think that game probably determined that side of it. It would be Brady, Antonio Brown. You know, I think you got to find somebody from, you know, obviously Wenz would have won it if he didn't get hurt. So Wenz gets hurt, you take away the Eagles kind of guy. And then it's Brady two, Brown three, and then a Viking. And is that Case Keenum? I mean, I, I mean, I, I I I think so. Just because I don't think they are where they are with, with, without him. Um, yeah, I mean, Bradford wasn't wasn't the difference maker they needed. He was playing. He was playing efficient like he does, but he he wasn't doing what Case Keenum is doing right now. And um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I agree. I right? think I think if I was putting in an MVP ballot, I would have voted for Wenz, but he got hurt. So then I'd go Brady one, Antonio Brown two. Um, you know, I probably would go Keenum, and you know, you'd. I think Keenum, Gurley, three, four. Oh. You know, three, three. You know, tie, split yeah. that. I think that's where it is right now. Um, you know, I think the Rams are probably more likely to. You know, I think definitely got to get Coach of the Year. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. And uh, when you consider the turnaround, and you know, you, oh, who else? What else? There was a whole bunch of. You know, you got. I think I don't know what what it, you know where it is, but you know, Bones has got to get some award. And I don't know if there's an assistant coach. Is there an assistant coach of the year award? I believe so. I, I think uh, that. I mean, oof. I mean, the special teams has been ridiculous, and every week something else. And and I mean, between you know the best punter in the league, you got a kicker that's about to break every record you know, ever, um, for scoring and, and has been, you know, really, and then obviously what they're doing in the punt with the return situation, just making play and blocking punts, they block three punts. I mean, they're dominating every aspect. Um, the job that coach bones has done and the fact that they kept him around and gave him an assistant, you know, the fact that he was one of the few holdovers from the previous staff, um, has just, to me that's just a tremendous story and and you know just a one other another reason why this team is just where it is um, but yeah that's where i would look I, i'm i'm a little di- weird with mvps but that's you know that's the way i look at it it's got a, I mean, mvp should be up the best team or one of them yeah i mean and everybody everybody has their own kind of criteria when it comes to the, to the mvp yeah. but um you you brought up the coaches and there is just I mean, forty-two to seven. You can't bring up any 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 negatives. Like the Ram, like this is probably the the, the best, like the happiest I felt after Rams victory in, in in quite a while. Just just be, because in the fashion that they beat the Seahawks on their home turf was just incredible. But um, I just wanted to get, get your thoughts on it. Um, the, the the fourth down call. A, I guess it's a two part question. One, did you agree with going for it? And B, what, what did you think of the of the play call? So, I mean, what did I say? I, I was at a so at the moment, I, I did not mind going for it. I would have understand if they'd have kicked it to take the six, the sixty nine. I was explaining to somebody that the reason why maybe you don't kick it there is that thirteen and sixteen are pretty similar because they're both two score leads. Whereas you're going for the kind of the, the jugular and trying to get a, an early three score lead and really kind of knock out the other sideline. You know, you score a touchdown there and take a three score lead in the first quarter. Right, that was late first quarter. Right. Um, You you, you really kind of, you know, almost end it, make the other, you know, it's a shot for the other team to really quit. Um, So I didn't mind that. 
Um, I understand that they are still having some issues kind of running straight running on in short yardage. Gurley's been stacked up, um, you know, throughout the year on some, you know, some goal line carries and some, you know, third and fourth and short carries. You know, I would rather of them tried to work on that a little bit and go with something, you know, maybe bring in a full, you know, bring in somebody as a fullback or come with some misdirection or, or do something to try to figure out a way to put on film, you know, that you can get it a certain way to make another, you know, make teams down the, the road kind of adjust. But I I said, I know they're going to play. Act. I, I said, I said, not only are they going to go for it, it's going to be a play action. And it just, especially, it, you know, it just didn't work. And, um, I think that would have been okay with them running and more okay with them running and not getting it than, than throwing it and, and, mm-hmm. and not getting, but you know, I kind of expected the play action there, but uh, you know, they do have to figure that the, the big question I have. And I think one of the things I'm going to ask coach tomorrow is about Jared Goff and the fact I, what, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet. Do you guys remember the last time Jared Goff went for a sneak? Has he ever, have they ever had a quarterback sneak? Um, With Jared Goff, I've uh, had design quarterback runs, but as far as the quarterback sneak, I, I don't, I don't recall one off the top of my head. And then it's they did hard. one with Mannion. See, the thing about it is, Mannion's bigger and stronger, and you wonder if that's, you know, I, I actually went on Twitter and I searched for Goff and quarterback sneak, and you know what popped up? He went when he was at Cal, he went for a quarterback sneak against UCLA and fumbled and UCLA got a, a, a end zone to end zone return out of it. Oh, I wonder if there's some, I wonder if there's some sort of issue with his ability to quarterback sneak. And to me that part of what, you know, there's a lot of things that makes Tom Brady, you know, the, or, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, the fact that he's like 90 plus percent efficient on quarterback sneaks what makes him, you know, it's just a, another club in that bag. And I think, I mean, I don't know if it's something that you could work on or if they could figure out. You have got, you know, when you can get a fourth and one on a on a quarter on nine out of ten times on a quarterback sneak, that makes that, that just makes things so much easier. Um, and it also, you know, increases your likelihood of being able to give it to Gurley and get. You know, I think I think maybe that's part of what's happening here is that teams aren't respecting the quarterback sneak. So I'm going to have to look, try to yeah. figure out when was the last time they attempted a quarterback sneak. That's certainly possible. Um, I mean, I don't remember the last time they really attempted a quarterback sneak with a different quarterback. I mean, I saw Sam Bradford dive over the, the top of uh, the line, and then he got, like, bent back backwards like he was an accordion, and that was terrifying against the Vikings. Back, I believe that was in St. Louis. Um, but, but no, uh, it, it's funny though, because we had Mirren Fader on, um, who interviewed Sean McVay, uh, wrote this, this long, like piece, talked to all these different people. And, um, and she said that Jared Goff basically has this thing like with McVay, like if he's not comfortable wanting to run something, then like McVay is like fine with it and like, they don't run it. So I wonder if like Jared Goff is the one that was like, yeah, can we not do that? Because, you know, may- maybe it's a confidence issue. Who knows? Maybe maybe you cracked the code there, Joe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so, so um, b- 
before, before we let you go, I just I have one more question for you. Um, obviously, a, a big win here that, that really does, does a lot for this Rams team. Puts them over the 10-win mark. Um, puts them in a pretty good position to, to, to make the playoffs. And... Um, does this? I mean, you, you've heard a bunch of national media talk. That, you know, is this a changing of the guard in the NFC West? Is this is this kind of a passing of the torch moment where you know for the next maybe five years the Rams are are the team to beat in the NFC West? I'm going to focus on what this means for the Rams first, um, because I think this this is the moment where you know this kind of storybook turnaround is complete. You know, the you know obviously the you know. Because this this was their goal was to make the playoffs. I don't know any of us that really believe this team. I, don't, I, I certainly didn't say the word playoffs in the preseason. Didn't you know? I thought six or seven wins you could be happy with. So eleven you know, and um, five. Yeah, I mean, you know, this team making the playoffs. I think kind of just complete. You know, everything's gravy from here. You know, if they, you know, the fact that they're going to have a home, call, you know, I was thinking a home playoff game in the Coliseum. If they got that before they moved into the new stadium, that would be a success. And so to me, they're they're almost three years ahead of schedule at this moment. And so obviously we're, we're going to have to readjust the expectations for this franchise, you know, now that we know McVay and, and he's shown what he can do. And, you know, it's, it's a total game changer, obviously. So, um, you know, so I, I think that, um, you know, it, it's, you know, to me, no matter what happens in that playoff game, you know, this season's just been an unbelievable success and, and, you know, it's full steam ahead for the future. Now, in terms of this division, you know, I really would like to see them, um, you know, knock off Seattle at full strength before I really call it, you know, I I called it the liberation. One of my tweets that I called it the liberation of the NFC West. What they did was it's no longer Seattle's division. Now, if they want to own this division, you know, they got to do it next year. You know, they got to do it, you know, again, you know, maybe, you know, one or two more times before they go into the new, the new stadium. But um, this is, I was just talking to somebody today, you know, Seattle looks like it's receding. Um, And uh, San Francisco with Jimmy G quick, the NFC West is changing and it looks like it's the Rams and the Niners here for the next seven, eight years. You know, you look, you look at the Arizona Cardinals right now. You've got to deal with Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Russell Wilson in that division. I mean, that's when Carson Palmer's on his last legs, and you know who knows what's the future for that franchise. You know, you got to look at the long-term prospects as, as Arizona being in the four spot, and then you wonder, you know, Seattle now starting to recede a little. You know, they certainly have peaked, and, and you know, a lot of their veterans are getting older. Maybe their contracts are coming up. Maybe they lose some guys. They never really figured out how to fix that linebacking, you know, that uh, offensive line. You know, certainly, um, you know, certainly the quarter, they've got the quarterback. And, you know, and, but Carroll's now what, the oldest coach in the NFL? You wonder how much time he's got left. So, you know, the, the, the Seattle certainly looks like it's receding. Now, the Niners, you know, halfway through the year, obviously they look like one of the worst teams in the NFL, but you know, Garoppolo's now five and zero as a starter, three and zero. Right, he's three and zero with the Niners now. They're no longer going to be, you know, picking, you know, at, you know, first or second in that draft now. And um, you know, but the defense is is pretty, you know, looks pretty young and pretty good. You know, the defense kind of is pretty close to being there. You know, if they get Garoppolo some weapons, this really may be pretty quickly. 
go from being Arizona and Seattle in this division to really Los Angeles and San Francisco. And so to have that kind of NorCal SoCal rivalry, you know, supercharged back into football, I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. You have everything that, that, um, you know, the two coaching staffs are obviously linked in terms of what the Shanahan's have meant uh, to coach McVay. You've got obviously uh, the LaFleur brothers on either side of that, where you've got, um, you know, Matt, um, you know, as the, as the Rams offensive coordinator and then, uh, you know, his brothers up there in, uh, in San Francisco. So, um, you know, I, I think this is really, this division may be LA San Francisco uh, dominated sooner rather than later. And that, that's what I was thinking as I was sitting there watching Jimmy G, uh, you know, tear through, uh, you know, another secondary to, to lead the Niners to another win. It's one thing, you know, I guess, he, sorry, one, one quick thing. I guess he's the first quarterback to be 5-0, and uh, to open his career 5-0 and as a starter since Roethlisberger. So Roethlisberger was riding, you know, a Steelers team that had already kind of, it was already one of the best teams in the NFL. To, for him to be 3-0, and to take, to take over one of the worst teams in the NFL and make that big of a change shows you, you know, that, that, it, they probably have struck gold um, with that trade. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they they got it for practically nothing too. Which, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, I, I was watching the 49ers game as well, and it was uh, the, the, the same thought popped into my head. Like, this is going to be a fun division to watch over the next five, ten years with with these with these two teams battling it out. And you you have to assume it's going to be a lot like it was early in the season, the high-scoring shootout games just because of the, of the, the styles the two head coaches um, have. Um, but, Joe, we will, we will let you go and enjoy the rest of your night. And, we, as always, we really appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time. Cool. Thanks, guys, for being patient with me. And uh, I'll see you next week after, uh, you know, if, uh, if what we've seen the last couple of weeks are any indication, another, uh, another Rams win. Hopefully. <laughs> T- take it easy. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Joe. Have a good week. All right, guys. That was Joe Curley of the Ventura County Star. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was pretty fun. As always, we love having him on, especially Victory Mondays. But even with no Victory Monday, he kind of gets us through a loss. Yeah, definitely. I, I love having Joe on, and he brings a lot to the show every a lot to the show every single week, which is why we, we keep on bringing him on. And that, and he's he's, he's also just just a just a really good guy. Um, but Jake, uh, moving on to the the second half of our show here, um, um, we, we we've skipped prospect watch last the last couple of, couple of weeks here, um, and there's not there's not really obviously a lot to talk about today but is there is there a bowl game that you have your eye on um as we enter this um this this uh bowl season well the bowl game i have my eye on um is i mean it's going to be usc and ohio state i think when you look at ohio state they got a ton of you know a, a ton of prospects on the defensive side of the ball and avenue i think the rams could approach um you know, USC has the quarterback, obviously, Sam Darnold, who probably goes number one. Got a really nice receiver prospect in Deontay Burnett. Um, I'm in Marshall, uh, cornerback, a position that the, the Rams are looking at. So, you know, Cameron Smith, uh, Port Augustine, and Uchenna Nuosu, I, I, I think, you know, linebackers there. Um, 
that that's a game that I think is going to be huge. It, it has a lot of prospects in it. They may not be, you know, everything that a Rams fan needs. I mean, obviously, I, I, I mentioned I mean, a quarterback, I, I, but I, 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 I kind of think it does because I mean, you you have that. Um, yeah, you, 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 in the, that, that's the game that, that I'm going to be I'm going to be locking on, and I think a lot of people are. Um, but I, 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 on that Ohio, on that Ohio State team, you, you have a couple of play, you have a player or two on that offensive line that you know the, the Rams could try to bring in to supplement a, an Andrew Whitworth after he retires, or or a, or a John Sullivan, um, and then on that defensive line that they have they have they have lot, like the, the Rams they have solid linebackers, but they don't have I guess the prototypical linebacker um, and, and they, they definitely need to so need to um, uh, get, get get bigger there and Ohio Ohio State has the players um, on, on that defense on, in that linebacker court linebacking court in particular that would solidify that yeah I am glad that you mentioned the offensive line as well um, there is a receiver Paris can't I think his name's Paris Campbell um, they also have corner Denzel Ward so, I mean, there, there are plenty of prospects. And, you know, I, I think that's definitely the one that I'm looking at. Um, do you have any, like, in mind? I mean... Um, not, not, not really. I mean, I... Well, I watched... In, during the college football season... Saquon Barkley. <laughs> yes, obviously, he's, he's my dude. Um, he's a lot of people's dude, but he was my dude first. Actually, I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that. So, we'll, um, we'll, we'll just say he was. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean... Penn State, that, that that's obviously a game that I'm, I'm going to be watching. But um, I, during the college football season, I'm not a diehard, committed college football fan. Um, especially with my work schedule, I'm usually working during a lot of these college football games because I'm working a college football game. Um, so I'll, I'll watch a game here and there. I'll watch highlights. I'll I'll keep I'll keep up keep up with it. But during the bowl season, because the University of Pennsylvania, they're, they're Ivy League, and Ivy League doesn't play any bowl games. So this is the time of the year that I'm really dialed in and locked in on college football. So um, college football playoff is going to be big. Um, I, I, I the, these games they. They, 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 they just it comes with, it comes up against like you have teams that don't play each other very often so there's just there's a, there's a lot of fun games to watch and um, I'm I'm just I'm really excited for it I have these next two weeks off of work I got the I got the Sixers on Christmas I got bowl season I'm really excited for these next two weeks um, but moving on to our playoff watch Jake um, every week we we kind of break down not not break down we go through the playoff standings. You have the Eagles at twelve and two, Vikings at eleven and three, Rams at and those are the two first round bye teams, obviously. Um, Rams sitting at ten and four, Saints at ten and four. Rams obviously have the tiebreaker there because of the head to head. You have Carolina as the first wild card, also at ten and four, and then you have Atlanta at eight and five, rounding up the, the top six. And then on the outside looking in, um, you have C- Seattle eight, at eight and six, and the Lions at eight and six. Um, so I, I guess just. Going off of that, how how likely do you think a first round buy is for this Rams team? Obviously, because the Rams lost to Minnesota, they would need the Vikings to lose out to get that that number two seed. But is that a possibility, or, or is is number three kind of? Are, are you okay with that? Well, I'm certainly okay with number three. Um, I think he, I don't think they're getting a, a first round buy. Um, I mean, they need the Vikings to lose out. Yeah, that's the only way. And they they need to win out. And see, it's okay because I know people are gonna be like, "Well, see, this is why they shouldn't have lost the Eagles. This is why they shouldn't have lost the Vikings." Yeah, but you have to keep in mind this young team. They got two huge doses of reality. 
They even got one against the the Seahawks. I mean, keep in mind, the Seahawks are the first team they played this season that they lost to that they got to play again. They're, you know, keep in mind, how rare is it? How many times do you have a team that loses, you know, they lose four games. Say those four games the rest of your blame. They're not going to play the Redskins again, but they have a chance to play two out of their four losses again in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, so far they're undefeated against teams that they play after they lose. And it's a small sample size, but it goes to show you, I think, you know, a young team can really learn a lot. And you and I have, you know, preached uh, the the ability to learn from these losses. Um, You know, you learn more in losses than you do in wins. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, those Vikings and Eagles games, I think those could definitely be learning tools um, similar as the, you know, Seahawks loss when, you know, they almost won despite losing the turnover battle by three turnovers. I think, um, you know, those learning experiences could be the reason this Rams team doesn't really need a first round bye and ultimately can win. Yeah. And I mean, it's a lot of times with those first round bye, obviously it's a model of the Patriots views, get that first round bye. You only have to win two games to, to, to make the, to make the playoffs. And that first game is usually against, it, it, it is against a wild card team, and and in a wild card team is obviously a weaker opponent. Um, but yeah, I I, I I agree with you. Like, but sometimes with those by, with those by, getting that by too can be it can be a, um, a a negative thing because you you come out slower than that team that that's, that's been playing um, that, that that hasn't that hasn't had that break. Um, so sometimes those those teams on bye weeks they do they do come out slow. So I will gladly take a three seed. Um, I'm just excited the Rams are in the playoffs and um, this NFC is wide open. You have the Eagles at the, as the first seed at twelve and two, but Nick Foles is their quarterback and they almost lost to the Giants. Um, Vikings eleven and three, but um, you know they are they are beatable as well. Um, and then below that the Rams have beaten the Saints. Uh, Carolina I think is is pretty beatable. Um, Atlanta they're pretty streaky this year and then. Um, yeah, I mean that that's just about rounds, rounds it out. So you you just you look at at the NFC playoffs and I mean when healthy, um, there's not a team in the NFL or and especially in the NFC that that you can say yes they would beat the Rams nine times out of ten. Um, I, I think a lot of these games are are fifty fifty and if you play, if, if each team plays each other ten times each team would, might win five five games. Um, in those in, in those meetings, so um, gonna gonna be fun, but. Um, just rounding out our game coverage here, stock up, stock down. Um, who do you have? I mean, my stock up, uh, I, I have to go Farrah Cooper. Um, he, the, the big question for him has been, um, you know, is he a guy that can take over to, for Tavon Austin? And we will talk about this more on Friday because we have a phone call that asks this question directly. So we, we will we will discuss this more on, on Friday's show. Um, but, you know, <laughs> what he did in the return game today, there are the returns that I, I, I looked at it and I, said, I just thought to myself, Tavon Austin doesn't make that return. He's just as explosive, if not more explosive, than Farrell Cooper. But he doesn't make that return. He, he, Farrell Cooper is decisive in his returns. I, I think he can, he can take over this jet, sweep, this jet sweep type role that Tavon, that Tavon Austin has played. I mean, just think about it. T- t- um, t- today, Tavon Austin was pretty much demoted to garbage time running back. That's basically the he, – he had, he had a, a snap here and there on offense. I, think, I, I, I remember seeing him on like two or three other occasions. But for the most part, he was garbage time running back. So um, my, my, my stock up has to be Farrah Cooper. 
Yeah, my stock up, um, it, it was hard, but I'm going to go with Robert Quinn. Um, I just think this guy still gets so much flack, and I don't think people realize he has eight and a half sacks now. He's starting to you know, really find a rhythm. He's actually been more of a uh, hand-in-the-dirt pass rusher, believe it or not. I, I have noticed that. Um, but, I mean, it, sometimes it just takes you a little bit more time than than you expect. And I think in a new system, a, a new defensive coordinator, new defensive scheme, and, you know, new players around him, I just think, you know, it's taken him a little bit. But Quinn is back. Um, he may not be 2013 Quinn. I've said that over and over again. But this is still a guy I think could get you 15 sacks if he played like this at the start of the season. Yeah, no, I um, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I, I love that. I love that you mentioned Robert Quinn. He played fantastic today, and, and like you said, he is starting to catch on. And I don't know if it was um, his injuries that were kind of setting him back early in the year or if it was, you know, he hasn't played in this 3-4 linebacker role in his, linebacker role in his in, in his entire career, he's always been a hand in the dirt kind of guy, and he's playing. He's he's standing up for the first time in his career, so I don't know how much of, a, of an adjustment that was, but um, it seems like he's doing fine now. Um, Jake Alachigo stock down first because I I think I know who you're going to take, and I, I don't want to take him. Hmm. I don't even know who I'm going to take, so I don't know how you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I was I was to say Jared Goff. Um, I mean, we we discussed it with Joe, but like, he didn't have his best game today. Um. I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you look at when he when the Rams play these 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 big time defenses like, and Seattle's defense was nothing to to what it has been. But I mean, you I I, I still think they're a respectable defense. Um, you have them, uh, Minnesota, um, and uh, Jacksonville. Uh, this was Jared Goff's his, his, his fewest. This this was his worst input. Um, since that since that Jaguars game, he had 100. He, he was 11 for 21 and 124 yards against the Jaguars, and today he was 14 for 21 um, for 120 yards and had and had the interception, um, which thankfully wasn't wasn't a, wasn't a, a momentum changer. And honestly, you can probably blame, blame the blame the play call more than you even can Jared Goff on that one. But um, coming up in the next in three weeks, the Rams are gonna are gonna have hopefully. Three or four weeks of back to back to back to back, very difficult competition, and the Rams are going to need Jared Goff to play like he has for the most part all season. And um, a, a performance like today won't get it done in January. You know, like when you have those like oh moments. Well, I just had that. I completely <laughs> forgot to say Jared Goff, but you know what? I'm going to do something a little bit more creative. Okay. I'm going to say, you know, stock down on the NFC West. Um, I, I, I think it, long are the days where, you know, Arizona was playing, you know, the Packers in the NFC title game or whatever. Like, no, this NFC West is now controlled by the Rams. And believe it or not, I think today really showed or sorry, you know, Sunday really showed uh, a couple things. You know, the Cardinals were starting, and with all due respect, Blaine, you went 16 of 41, okay? Um, that game was brutal. Uh, you, you lost a field goal battle to Washington. It's a team that can still compete, but they're just not – they have no, like, they don't firepower. Have they have no future. As you said, I mean, you know, they're probably the next team – you know they're they're in the Rams' boat, in my opinion. 
it's it actually blows my mind. No one talks about this. Bruce Arians has kind of become Jeff Fisher. Now, I would more likely the irony of that considering all the shit that, that Arians gave Jeff Fisher. Just, just oh, I know just the irony. I know. Well, I would call the actual Jeff Fisher uh, John Fox, but I just say it because Bruce Arians was all like, "They'd be lucky to go eight and eight or whatever," or, or "Oh, we're not trying to go eight and eight. But now they're that team that has that veteran presence on defense and their offense is kind of not exciting. It's kind of not creative and you're kind of starting a backup quarterback. Um, oh, and not to mention your, your running backs. Like they're in that, that year where like Trey Mason and Zach Stacy both like shared time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like they went back to like they're like the 2014 2015 Rams and it just blows my mind how that's happened but you know I, I think part of it is because of the GM Steve Kime I've been a huge um, you know critic of his because Blaine we talk about this all the time if you don't have a franchise quarterback you're not competing in this league um, you know I, I'm sorry to say that but like you know, even Josh McCown, like, as great as he looked for the Jets, imagine what the Jets could have done if they had a Garoppolo. Um, but they don't. So, you know, I, I just look at it. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. They don't really have a future until they go out. I think they're in the Rams. The the reason I say this, I think they're in the, the Rams' state of mind now. They're going to go out and get their Jared Goff, which I, I think will ultimately end up being Josh Rosen, I think. Arians will stay and he'll coach him or they'll, they'll trade for Andrew Luck if the Colts are done with him. But um, I just Ooh. think it, it was crazy. Yeah, I'm not trying to start that, speculation. That, 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 no, but. no, no. I actually like that would make a ton of sense. And no, that is, I, just, I just find it. I find it. I find it very interesting. Actually, and then pretty intriguing. I'd have I, to think. Of yeah. In mind. yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd have to put stock up on the division if they did that. But they didn't. Uh, they're not doing that, and uh, it's stocked down for the FC West as a whole because the competition is weak. I mean, right now the, the Rams are two games ahead of Seahawks, and they have it locked up. This isn't even going to be like a fun, you know, down to the wire. This was this was a fun game as far as Rams fans go, but the net, there's no way, unless you hate Seattle, there's no way you could sit down and watch this game and think, wow, this is such a great game. I mean, this was just an ass whooping, and and that 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 completely, like you know what I mean, Blaine. That completely just doesn't define what the NFC no, West no, used no. to be I, I, with I, a hardball, and you know it yeah. just it blows no, I, I my think, mind. I, I think what a lot of people were expecting was a kind of like what we saw last week with the Rams and the Eagles, and we didn't get that. We got we got the complete opposite of that. We got a game that was never even close. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, but um, yeah, I, mean, I, I still think this division is, is going to be fun to watch for the next five years. When you when you have a team like um, San Francisco on the rise, a team like, uh, I mean, Seattle, they are going to always be in it with Russell Wilson. And then you have, you have the Rams on the rise as well here and kind of in control. So, um, I, I do get I do get I do get I do get what you're saying uh, though, and um, I, I I do think you are right in in in, in some aspects. So um, yeah, but Jake, um, that also basically uh, wraps up this edition of the Downtown Rams podcast. Um, 
huge win. Um, why don't you, uh, you know, drive us way into the sunset? <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. All right, guys, I appreciate you. Blaine appreciates you. We we all thank you guys for tuning in. It is always an honor to have you guys listen to our show. This has been episode 47, Blaine, and that is episode Kevin Peterson edition. Someday we'll have him on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. We will be back in full force on Friday. We will have guests, you know, the whole shebang. When you when you go on the Downtown Rams podcast, you know what you're getting. Um, but for Jake Allenbogen, he is Blaine Grisak. This has been episode 47 of the Downtown Rams podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Subscribe. Tell a friend. Give a five-star review. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Take care. See you guys.